God, we honor you and we glorify your name this morning. We lift your name on high, not because we want to, but because you are worthy. God, let that be the drive that triggers our praises to you. No matter how we feel, no matter where we are, you're worthy. God, you're worthy and we love you, God. Find a resting place among your people. I feel like I have a word for somebody. There's somebody here that that phrase is triggering for you. You're sensing that God doesn't have a resting place in your life. It's for you. God's saying, I want to find a resting place for you, in you, with you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, wow. Wow, I'm going to yell so that Robbie could tweak the room. In Jesus' name, (laughs) yes, wow, guys. Well, for those who are new, welcome to the new setup of AVL City Church. We've been in transition since Christmas of last year, kind of the fall of last year. We started this progression of stage in the middle with the round seating. And um, based on what happened this morning, I guess it paid off. No? Now Jesus can get in better? Yeah, yeah. Want to talk about something today, something that we've already experienced. Um. The mission of Jesus is the mission of his people. The mission of Jesus is the mission of you and I. As individuals and as a body, as a collective, God has not given us the freedom to make up our own mission. He's invited us to join his mission. We are continuers, not establishers. We're not starters, we're continuers. I think that's such a powerful thought and concept that if we realize that we are following in our master's footprints, that means that he has paved the way for us to continue what he started doing. Too many times we get confused So we try to start our own thing, try to do it in our own way, try to be as creative and as unique as possible. I know I'm guilty. I want to be better than everybody at something, at something. Don't you laugh at me. You know you want to be better at least at one thing than everyone else. Raise your hand if you're not lying. Come on, come on. You want to... You want to be the best at something. And we take, this, we take this idea and we apply it to Jesus's mission. We're going to do the best mission possible. Here's what we're going to do. Where are you getting it from? Are you conjuring up yourself or are you pulling from what Jesus has started? Luke chapter 14, verses 18 and 19. Luke chapter 14 in the NASB says this, that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the release of captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set those who are oppressed 
to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. For some reason, we feel like this does not apply in America. All we need is three points and a a motivational kick in the butt. And then we're good. We sometimes forget as the body of Christ that people are oppressed. People are bound. People are demonized. People are searching for hope. People are searching for peace. People are searching how to raise their kids, how to connect with their spouse, how to find and walk in a path that they have been designed and created for. People are searching for meaning. People are searching for for purpose, not just so that people can tell you, look how great you are, but so that people can feel like they're content, that they're walking in line with what they were designed to do. We all desire that, and those of us who have people around us are searching for that, are longing to step into that. Raise your hand if that is you. If you're longing to be in step with what God is wanting you to do. Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10 says this, And Jesus said to them, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too, Zacchaeus, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Such a simplicity of the mission that Jesus has. Jesus could have stepped into anything, and yet he said, I am going to come and bring healing and hope and salvation to the people. I'm gonna go and find those who are in a ditch and pull them out. I'm not just gonna tell you how to do it. I'm gonna demonstrate this is how you do it. Who who in here has been plucked out of darkness, plucked out of a, a pit that you never thought was possible? You went to services, you went to conferences and nothing until Jesus touched you. Until Jesus stretched his hand and said, come up. And then what happens is that when Jesus does that, you're on fire for the Lord. Because you're like, I did not realize that this was possible for me. I knew he would do it for you and for you and for you and for that one, but not for me. Right? And then we, we, we realize and we begin to burn for him because of that. And then we get around people whose fire has died out. And they want to tame us. And that's what the church is compromised of people taming that fire. Acts 1, verse 1 and 2 says, The first account I composed Theophilus about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven, after he had, by the Holy Spirit, given orders to the apostles whom he had chosen. We see this beautiful passing on of the baton. I sense that too many Christians don't feel like Jesus passed on the baton to them. I feel like too many people are on the sideline, observing, saying, well, I'm too young. Well, I don't, I've made too, much, too many mistakes. You don't understand my upbringing. You don't understand where I've come from. I don't have any abilities. What can I say? I can't preach. Like, think through what kind of excuses you gave yourself or maybe you're giving yourself now. What is that excuse that you think is uniquely yours? That you're like, yeah, I understand everyone else has a reason, but me, I'm special. I'm special. I'm unique. What I have, Jesus can't really use. But Jesus 
He set up the mission, then he passed it on to the disciples, the apostles, so that they didn't have to start anything. The igniter was him. And so this morning, if you're not ignited for the mission of God, he is your igniter. He is your igniter. Just think of it. Think of what would it look like if God set your heart ablaze? What would you do? Yeah, go ahead. Take a second. Think, if God, if God just completely set your heart on fire for the first time or again, what would it look like? This is why we've been talking about church unity over the last few weeks, because we cannot accomplish his mission without being united. But the unity is not around a specific mission of a particular church expression. The mission is global around the mission of Jesus. That's what unites us. This is why you can plug into any church expression and live out on mission if the church is living out on the mission Jesus has. This is why our church is better than everybody else's church. That's what we think, right? That's what we think. We're like, oh, if, since I'm here, since I'm here, this is the best. Why would I settle for second? Right? Why would I settle for second? This is the best. And that's good. Every church has to be the best for you if they're living on mission with Jesus. I know, tongue in cheek, I'm not saying we're the best church. We are. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you to tell people that unless you sense that and you know that and you agree with Jesus. This is why we read Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, verses 1 through 6. Jesus spoke these things, I'm reading, and lifted up his eyes, eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Even as you have, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may have eternal life. They may have life. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I, and Jesus, this is Jesus' prayer, he says, I glorified you on the earth. How did Jesus glorify the Father on the earth? Having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus came to launch. He launched. We're here to continue. Are we continuing? Verse five, now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to the men whom you, have, whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Jesus, this whole prayer is, 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 is a prayer of unity. He says later on, make them one as we are one. Make them one as we are not. Without unity, we cannot accomplish the mission God has for us. The second piece of this thing is that without the Holy Spirit, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, we cannot accomplish the mission that Jesus has for us. We read this famous um, scripture, Acts 1, verse 8, the first part, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. <laughs> 
Remember, the disciples waited for this power. Jesus said, go into Jerusalem, but before you go, you have to wait until I empower you. Because if I don't empower you, you're gonna do things in your own efforts. And what did they wanna do in their own efforts? They wanted to build a kingdom for themselves on earth. Remember, they wanted to sit at God's right hand, Jesus' right hand, Jesus' left hand. They wanted to conjure up their own thing. Even before Jesus was, was, uh, went, to the, went to the garden, he was like, hey, Jesus, who's gonna be at your right? Who's gonna be at your left? I, I, whose hands up, whose hands up? But after Jesus rose from the dead, he promised to send them, send them the Holy Spirit. And we're, Easter's coming up in, in four or five weeks. And then this whole story of what happens 40 days after resurrection, that's whenever I'm gonna tackle it. So um, I'm just gonna skimp, skim by this for today. But after Jesus ascended, the Holy Spirit did come down to empower the church to preach the gospel throughout the whole earth. We have to understand that there was a power that's beyond your power. So if you feel powerless to step in line with the mission of Jesus, you should, because you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. You have to wait. And you may think, well, God sent the Holy Spirit on that day, so now we all have access to it. No, did God empower you specifically? Did God overwhelm you with his presence specifically? And if he didn't, don't move until he does. And if it's been years since he has, ask him. Ask him, when was the last time the Holy Spirit overwhelmed you by his manifest presence? Too many times we think that when we feel good in God's presence, that it's just for us to soak in. And when you read the New Testament, what happened? Let's keep going. In, um, in the, the second part of, of verse eight, I'm gonna forward this a little bit. Acts chapter one, verse eight, the second part. So this, so, so the, whole, the whole verse says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then here's for what? And you will be my witnesses. There is, there is a launching that's associated with you will receive power. But in America, we just want to receive power and to receive power and to receive power and say, look at how much power I have. Receive power, receive power, receive. And then when we do something, we're like, look what I did. Look how spiritual I am. Do you recognize me for my gifting? Do you recognize me for my calling? Do you recognize my ministry? Do you see how God's blessing me? When the Holy Spirit comes on, you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Are we doing that? Now, this is a hard question. When was the last time you shared Jesus with someone. Just think of it. Think, just think, when was the last time you, and I'm not talking about here, I presented the gospel. When was the last time you shared Jesus with them? You can't just have a phrase that a person repeats after you. If Jesus is a relational God, you have to share your relationship with him if you have one. If you don't have one, you're, you're, you're pulling at theology. You're pulling at head knowledge. Well, they said that if you say this prayer, then something's gonna happen. Wee, wee, wee. And God's like, what about you? Do you know who I am? Do you walk with me? If someone hung out with you, can, would they know that you've spent time with me? Or is it just 
the thing that we do just like Sunday service. We just show up and are here because that's what we're supposed to do, right? Otherwise, the Lord won't bless my job and my finances and my family unless I show up and do the thing that he's needing me to do. Encounters always for the purpose of God's mission. We've been talking about the last few weeks about encountering God, about finding a space where you can encounter God, but it's not just for you to build your empire. It's for you to get on his mission. And then the question is, what does his mission look like expressed through you? What does his mission look like expressed through Avial City Church or the church on, down the street or the church across our city or the state line or the world? You are not part of a bigger mission if you're not on your personal mission with the Lord. You cannot hide behind the global mission if you're not personally encounter him, encountering him. You cannot hide behind what happened this morning when God shows up and it's tangibly if you're not doing this on a regular basis with him. You just cannot. This is just gonna be one moment where you forget about it tomorrow. Jesus tell them they will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can be his witnesses. And that's, I think it's interesting because a lot of times we want to witness to the church that we're part of. Oh, come to my church. My, pre my, my preacher, he's good. The music, you should, the round stage. Oh my, have you been inside? Do you know what it feels like? We're, witness, we're being witnesses to AVL City and not to Jesus. Feel free, right? Invite people, share people. But it has to be deeper than just this surfacey level because you're empowered. You're empowered. Think about it. What are we doing with the power that we have been given? This is a challenge for us not to be on the sidelines because we have been invited individually by Jesus himself. We... Go with me here. If I was Jesus, I'm not. I just, I'm just, I'm, I mean, I know some of you are like, that's obvious. But, but if Jesus was like, hey, I want to invite everyone to my mission, right? You'd be like, okay, cool. Raise your hand if you're on board. All right, we're all raising our hands. Okay, cool. Here's what I want you to go witness. Like, okay, cool, right? That's a lot of times how we look at this. But what if I said this? Hey, I'm inviting you to my mission. I'm inviting you to my mission. Oh, look at this little one. I'm inviting you to my mission. Wakey, wakey. Coochie, 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 coo. He's awake. I'm inviting you to my mission. So, yeah. But do, you, but do you see what I'm saying? It's like, now when I say who's on my mission, the people that I went to and personally invited, there's a difference kind of, yes, I'm on board. Because it's a personal one-on-one -on -one invitation. It's not just this overarching view of everyone. This is why Jesus of the Bible, our Jesus, is a relational Jesus. He's a relational God. He's not just go reach the world somehow, somewhere. No, he's like, let me develop this thing with you and I so that then you could be my witness. I'm gonna skip on, I'm gonna skip on because I just, I need to. 
Well, let me do this. Let me do this quick plug. Join this church's mission. We want to reach Asheville for Jesus. We want Jesus to be known. We want his presence to be manifested. We want each person to know what God is calling, calling each of us to do. How, what kind of piece we are part of this puzzle that Jesus is making. What's your role in this specific church? And so I would encourage you, if you're new here, if you've been here for a while, if you have not gone through the God Through You course, I invite you to go through the God Through You course. God Through You course, it's on our website, it's on, in our app. We may even be able to uh, put a slide and you can uh, scan a QR code and, 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 and just go through it if you haven't. There are five assessments that's part of this course as well. And one of them is a 5Q assessment, which is basically you, you find out how you're wired. And, and it's currently free, but by the end of the week, we're gonna, have to, we're gonna make you pay for it because it's not our assessment, it's someone else. So we've been paying for it. So if you have signed up, finish it this week and you'll be in the free category. This is my bargain deal today, right? If you have not finished the assessment, go ahead and finish it. And then after this week, next week, we'll still have it. But this, this is the one assessment that costs like 10 bucks. So it's not a lot. But um, so I just want to invite you to, to do that. Um, and then you can find out what kind of mission, what we're doing, how we're doing these things within this expression specifically. All right. Cool. You guys good? All right. All right. Cool, cool. Um, man, it's already 12 o'clock and I'm not, I haven't even got to my point, my big point. Um, I, I have to hit it. I have to hit it because this is really, really important. It's not... The whole witness, the whole witness thing is, is powerful because um, we read in the beginning about, um, in John 17, about the glory that Jesus had. And let me just, let me forward it, um, forward it. <laughs> All right. I know, I know. God help us. So Jesus said that, give me the glory, right? He said, that you and I shared before the world began. Let me, let me find this verse. It's John chapter 17. It's in two places. John chapter 17, verse 5. So if we can get it up on the screen. John chapter 17, verse 5. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. And then go up to verse 27. John chapter 17, verse 20, uh, 24 says this, Father, I desire that day whom you have given me be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me for you loved me. But what's interesting is, is later on he says this. Yes, he does. <laughs> In verse 18, he says this, John 17, verse 18. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And verse 22, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one just as you and I are one. That whole chapter is really unique because, because Jesus is having this, is he's praying and he's talking about two different kinds of glories here. He's talking about two different kinds of glory. The first glory that he's talking about, it is the glory before the world was created. This is the glory that only the father shares with his son. So this is not a glory that we can share in, but that we can behold. 
right? One day we will see the fullness of the glory on display, but it's not the glory that we partake in. Because this is the glory belongs strictly to God. It tells us that the, you know, John 1, 1, that the, that the word became flesh, dwelt among us, that Jesus is sharing in the glory of the divine. This is, this is a great chapter that talks about Jesus being one with God, that he's not just a God. He is what makes up the Trinity, the, Trinity, the, the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And this is the glory that they share that we don't share in but that we can behold. And then this other glory, all of a sudden he's talking about the glory that I will give them. What is this glory that he's talking about that he's gonna give the church? What is this glory that he's gonna give the church? Uh, this is really beautiful. Okay, let's keep reading. I'm gonna give some verses. So John 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Verse 22, the glory which you have given me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. John chapter 14, verses 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Verse 13, whoever, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me of anything in my name, I will do it. I'm just gonna keep reading them and then we're gonna talk about it. John 2, 11, this beginning of his signs, Jesus did in Cana of Galilee, the manifested and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. John 11 verses one through four. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her, and her, um, her sister Martha. It was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Verse three, but when, uh, so the sisters went, uh, sent word to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Verse four, but when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness is not to the end of death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. So you have this glory that the Father shares, and then you see this glory that he displays, that he invites us into, right? And what is the glory that we keep reading about? It is what Jesus did. It is his miraculous miracles. This was how his glory was manifested on earth. What did Jesus do is what manifested the glory. Not the glory that he shares with the Father, but the glory that he's inviting us into to partake. So this is what we read earlier, um, where it says that um, whoever, let's say verse, John chapter 14, verse 12, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, the ministry that I perform, the, the ministry that I did, the miracles that I did, Yes, what Jesus did, the Bible says that you will also do. Too many times we get, we get sidetracked by saying greater things you will do than Jesus. Whatever that means, right? Some people say that you'll do even weirder things or, or different things. Some people think that you, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing of quantity. You will, do, you will do more things. But before you even get to that, to, to, to that part, what, how does this land with you? He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. What is this talking about? This is, this is talking about us sharing in his glory. It's a, us sharing in his glory. Meaning that when we get on mission, the glory of God is displayed and manifested through us. 
This is why it becomes a beautiful thing when God touches someone's life, when God touches someone's sickness, when God brings a family together and restores relationship, when God resurrects someone, when God heals someone, when God sets someone free, you'll see his glory on display, his manifested glory on earth. And so now for us to see the glory of God manifested, you and I have to be on his mission. This is why it is pivotal that we identify what the mission of Jesus is and for us to get on it so that people can see his glory manifested through our lives. This is how we reach our city. This is how you reach your neighbors, your school, uh, the people in your school, is by walking how Jesus walked. I think we have distanced ourselves from this verse significantly because we, 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 we excuse ourselves and we get off the platform and say, surely not me. Surely not me. Someone will do what Jesus did. The apostles, yeah, yeah, they did what Jesus did, but not me, but not me. Well, here's my question. Do you believe in him? Do you believe in him? Do you truly believe in him where you set an expectation that you will do what he did? Too often, we dismiss ourselves and make and set ourselves, you know, take ourselves off the hook, right? This is why we're like, hey, someone else can do it. And God's like, no, no, do you believe? Remember he told Peter, Peter was like, hey, do you love me? He's like, hey, yeah, I, I love you. Do you love me? Do you love me? All right. Peter was flustered because Jesus was asking him individually. And he was hurt because Jesus had to penetrate through the depth of Peter and what he has done. He, Peter had to really lay himself down and say, Jesus, you know everything. You know that I love you. He says it was to such an extent that Jesus, that he was taken aback. He was kind of hurt and offended by the question. Do you love me? Do you love me? And here we are, right? We're like, of course I love you, Lord. Of course I love you. Our life does not reflect that we love him, but we will verbally say, of course I do. Of course I do. Of course I do. But what if Jesus is asking, do you really? When was the last time he asked you this question that it made you uncomfortable? That you were like, man, God, I'm offended at you. Like, I'm offended that you're asking me again if I love you. The manifest glory of God is the miracles that Jesus did. It is our witness. It is our witness. A lot of times when we talk about the presence of God, the glory of God, we zero it down to an emotional experience, to a feeling, right? We just want this this thing to just ascend on us and now we're in God's glory and we've spiritualized it to such an extent where we don't experience that often but what if we said, yes, that is a form of God's presence and nothing of God's glory. But what if the real glory of the Lord is manifested when we, when we become his witnesses? When we say, Jesus did, and he's commanding me to do. He did it, he's asking me to do. And whether or not I do it is based on whether or not I believe in him. Let that sink in. 
We say with our mouth, but there is no power to support our confession. John 14, 12, truly, truly, I say, he who believes in me, he who, he doesn't mean that all, everyone is going to believe, but he's asking he who believes. So the question is, are you part of this he? Are you part of this he? So this is where you have to be a God. Am I part of the he who believes? Am I part of the he who believes? The works that I do, he will also do. And what did, what did, we, what did we read in the beginning? The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Is the spirit of the Lord upon you? Because he's anointed me. Are you anointed? I say yes. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is in me. I am anointed to preach, to declare, to share the good news. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. All right. You guys got a whooping today, right? A Christian whooping. All right, but this is really, this is really serious because um, I, I don't, I don't want to just gather around a, a circular stage. I don't want people to show up and, and for me to show up because the music is good or the messages are good or I can connect with someone or that someone can watch my kids. Um, I, life is too short. I think that we, for, we forget to realize that we have an expiration date on our life. I think we feel like we can live, that we will live forever. So we postpone to do the things that Jesus did. We have fear. We like have greater fear to walk in the footsteps of Jesus than we do of dying. If you realize that you have an expiration date, that should launch you to say, I don't care what people think of me. I'm going to do what Jesus is asking me to do. People waste, I know that was lame, but it's okay. The Lord understands your heart. I look at all these empty chairs and I know that each one of us has probably 10 people that we can be a witness to. I'm not talking about inviting them here. I'm talking about for you to be a witness to them. Forget 10. What if one? What if one? You become such a witness that they want what you have. That they just not only believe and say yes to God, but they step into discipleship. They step into community. They step into becoming a witness themselves. Being empowered by the same spirit that you are empowered. Having the gifts that are in them reawakened or awakened for the first time. We are so selfish. We are so selfish. We're, we're so comfortable. And the thought of me not living forever has been bothering me more than I would like to admit, which has set me free because I don't care what people think. I don't care what people say. I really don't. And it has freed me to be like, God, I, there is not a great example of what it is to be a Christian. There's very few of people who you can say, that's it. So you have to be like, God, what does it look like for me? And then you have scripture. What did Jesus do? How did he carry himself? What, the Bible says that he grew in, in with, um, with, with man and with God, right? He had favor with man and with God. It means that he honored his parents. It means that people saw what he did. It means that he knew when to do something, when not to do something. But the most important thing is he did not do anything that the father did not clear him to do. 
So I know when we think about, hey, the things that Jesus did, well, I can't do that. You don't believe. Like, think, you don't believe. You already have put death above what Jesus did. Because your thought is like, well, I can't raise anyone from the dead. Hold on a second. What else did Jesus do? How did he love? How did he open up scripture? How did he walk with people? How did he find people that no one paid attention to? And yes, he touched bodies, bodies were healed. I've seen people get healed. And yes, for you, when you step in and when you believe, you may be the one that sees someone resurrect from the dead. No, not me. Why not? Why not you? Why not me? Why not here? Why not here? Tomorrow is not promised, y'all. Like, I want to, tomorrow is not promised. Like, we, we have planned out our lives. Remember, Jesus fulfilled his purpose, so he was able to leave this world at age 33 and a half. All right. All right. So, if you were to bow our heads right now, I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and just close your eyes. I want this question to just hit you like a ton of bricks. Why am I hesitant to step out and do what Jesus did? As you have a conversation with the Lord, invite him to begin to speak to you. And if he's saying things, go ahead. You can take a notebook, start writing it down. If he's giving you scripture, this is the moment where you can be engaging with the Lord. I believe that he's speaking to people right now in this room and those who are watching. I know he's speaking. Be proactively listening. What is God telling you? What is God sharing with you? What is God trying to undo in your life? What is God trying to lead, lead you into? Go ahead and just have your time with God. I'm going to pray, and then we'll go leave like a minute and a half or a few, a couple of minutes for us to just sit with the Lord and ask him, what is he telling us? Father, we're your vessels. Make us available. God, I ask that you speak to each person in this space, in this room, those who are watching, God. Stir us. Launch us. Confront us.